Hey everybody, Shane Presley here, Rock Paper Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another brand new episode. Today's feature singer-songwriter, Bob McKee. Had a lot of fun hanging with Bob, uh, talking about his brand new solo record, and uh, we get to into some stories behind some of these songs. Hope you enjoy it. Do want to remind you, as always, Rock Paper Podcast is brought to you by Friendship Brewing Company in Wentzville, Missouri, serving up all your craft beer needs. With over 25 rotating taps out there, they've sure to got a uh, tasty beverage just right for you. Um, they've got uh, also a full menu of uh, tasty food, all kinds of delicious food. Uh, eats out there. You got your burgers and nachos and flatbread pizzas and salads and pretzels and and they've been doing fish fry Fridays all through uh, Lent. So if you want to come out and grab a beverage and uh, some fish, come on by. And they got some great live music happening on Thursdays. They've been doing a Singo Bingo night, and Thursday, March twenty third, will be Golden Oldies and. Friday, March 24th, Lauren Hoffman takes the stage. Saturday, March 25th, my buddy Denver Wade Trent returns. You can find their full beer menu, food calendar, full beer menu, food menu, and concert calendar at friendshipbrewingcompany.com and be on the lookout. Two new locations opening very soon in the Flint Hill, Missouri, and Hannibal, Missouri area. So uh, be stay tuned for more info about that. Again, friendshipbrewingcompany.com. Follow along with them on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, I got a big show coming up I would love to tell you about on March, on May 14th. We'll be over at the Old Rock House from 3 to 7 p.m. for the third Debstock. This is a uh, benefit show I put on in my mother's memory. I lost my mother to brain cancer, glioblastoma, in 2019. And been putting the show together since and having a lot of fun uh, raising funding and awareness for brain cancer patients. And would love to have you out there with us. Bring mom out and... Let's uh, have a good time uh, over at Old Rock House, May 14th. That is Mother's Day. Again, 3 to 7 p.m. Music and entertainment from Russo and Company, Emily Wallace, Ryan Chaney, and comedy from Meredith Hopping. Tickets are available right now at etix.com. Uh, you can find more info at rockpaperpodcast.com or oldrockhouse.com. And, uh, or feel free to message me and I'll drop a ticket in the mail for you. If you need anything else from me, you can always find me at rockpaperpodcast.com. Hit me up on the socials. Email me rockpaperpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you all. And with that out of the way, sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode with Bob McKee. Um, podcast is kind of like a, it's like a radio show that's not on the radio. It's on, it's on the internet. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's also like my mom. Uh, it makes it sound more confusing, doesn't it? Uh, it sounds like this. 
This is Bob McKee. We're listening to Rock Paper Podcast. Rock Paper Podcast. This is beat paper. Paper covers rock. Rock beats is the shame. Covers nonstop. Never know what new kind of guests that he's got coming at you. Live and direct on the spot. Could be rock, folk, country, or hip-hop, jazz. All kind of folks that he has. Could be an artist or a comedian to make you laugh on the Rock Paper Podcast. Double-decker fudge round rolling round town. Shane coming at you live and direct from ground zero. Here's your hero. Here's your bestie. Rock Paper Podcast with Shane Presley. Hey everybody, Shane Presley here, Rock Paper Podcast, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri. Hanging out today with returning guest, Bob McKee. Welcome to the show. Shane, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, this is uh, this is cool, man. I'm really uh, glad to be here. Uh, we got a brand new record to talk about, and uh, so I'm excited to take a deep dive into that with you. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. We, uh, I was, I pulled it up, man. It was, uh, just, uh, while we're talking here, catching up and, uh, you appeared with the, uh, the Von Drukes on this up on the show, uh, in 2016. It's kind of crazy to think about it. It's been that long ago, man. Yeah. yeah. Long time. And I think that was right around our, uh, on this ride together release. Right. Yeah. 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 I think we, uh, so that was it's been a minute since we got to hang out, so that's what's you know fun for me for this show is like getting getting these kind of things where like you know we all get busy running around doing all of our own things, and so it's kind of nice to schedule some time to to see some of your friends around town and get to sit down and actually talk about some of the things we're working on. So yeah, um, so that's what I, I enjoy doing with this show, and uh, I'm glad to be here and hanging with you. So uh, let's uh, I being that I don't. Well, you know, we've been friendly for like in several years now, but like I don't know a, a ton of about uh, Bob McKee's story. So uh, I always kind of like to start at the beginning. Uh, and but uh, was St. Louis always been home for you? Is it St. Louis has been home? Yeah. Um, I did spend a few years in Kansas City uh, for college, and and then moved back around 1999. Um, but yeah, St. Louis is home, and happy to be here. Yeah. Was uh and always guitar for you? No, I you know I grew up um, playing violin oh, through yeah. high school. Picked up guitar right in the middle of the hair hairband era. Yeah, and um, you know took some lessons from a, a great teacher, Steve Bice, and yeah, I continued to play you know a little bit through college and um, after college um, is really when I started to, to do a lot of writing and you know pick up the guitar and and write some silly songs and you know nothing substantial but that's that's kind of where it started yeah it was that uh so what were you do you remember any of those songs like do you, you know what you were like yeah you know at the time i was kind of into blues yeah. and um we in college i played with a a really small band um we wrote a song called it's all good and um it was a it was a bluesy song it was a silly song uh but um that was probably the first song first song i wrote yeah so uh, yeah. but i was big into blues and when i moved back to st louis uh spent a lot of time down at like bb's and 
um, off, uh, Broadway or BL on Broadway. Yeah, BL. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. So, yeah. I uh, I guess it's like uh, getting all. I haven't been down there in a bit, but uh, like a total overhaul now. Uh, Billy's on Broadway. I think it's gonna it's called, and so we'll see how that turns out and stuff. But uh, I'm just glad uh, that. You know, I wish it would have been preserved as as Beal, but uh you know, I'm glad something's happening there because it was uh it was sad to see it deteriorate the way it was and like and just sitting there vacant for quite a while. So Yeah. They did a real good job with it when they reopened that spot and uh, initially and um spent a lot of good nights out there and the patio was really cool. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, a lot of great I mean like that was uh, uh, you know, it was a good chunk of years. I was bouncing back and forth between the the Blues Triangle down there, uh, Oyster Bar, Beal, and uh, BBs, and uh, you know, trying to soak it all in as much as between uh, you know, you got your uh, Marquise and uh, Jeremiah Johnson and Big Mike and Al Holiday and you know a bunch of the regulars that played down there and stuff. So like it was uh, always a lot of fun on, yeah. uh, going down there on the weekends and um, so. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, the there's a lot of like, a lot of blues uh, influences in my you know my taste too and early on and uh, I think it's you know I remember dad and mom playing a lot of classic records like uh, you know. Uh, from you know whatever Clapton and BB King and Almond Brothers and ZZ Top and that kind of stuff you know the some different variations of the blues and stuff but yeah yeah a lot of a lot of good blues players out of St Louis like Henry Townsend yeah. got to see him play oh nice uh, that was pretty special yeah so yeah Alonzo's become a great friend over the years uh, and so he he's been on the show kind of sharing a little insight on his his father's legacy and stuff so. Um, yeah, I, so I've never met Henry myself, you know, at all, but it was, it was f- f- nice to talk to Alonzo about it. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think right around that time, I, uh, started to learn a little bit about, um, some of the older, cheaper guitars and like the K's and the silver tones and kind of got into that for a while. And uh, there was a guy that owned a shop in U city called, uh, his name was Mike King and he kind of specialized it. Like he, he specialized in that gear before um, White Stripes made it cool, yeah. you know. And um, I kind of got into that for a while. I still have a still have a couple, um, but yeah, that's kind of what was going on around that time. And um, met a met a guy who uh, befriended, and, and his name was Dirty Steve. <laughs> and uh, and Dirty Steve kind of introduced me to like Uncle Tupelo, and I think at the time. Bloodshot Records was was getting going and, um, you know, kind of started going down that that path. And at the same time, I was listening to like a lot of Bob Dylan and then Richard Buckner and, um, you know, and like I think Jay Farrar was playing his solo albums at the time. He was, he was doing some solo work. So um, it was like right around there when I really started honing in more on, on writing and and working on songs yeah uh so uh this, so is this the first is this your debut as a as a solo artist then with this record or it's a debut album uh but 
before I played with the Bontrukes, I right. had a band called Ten High, and before Ten High, I did play out uh, solo. Uh, I'm not going to say often, but I, you know, I was fortunate. I got to play with uh, Fred Eagle Smith. I opened for Fred. That was um, really cool. So, and and there were some other other good shows that somehow I got to to open up for, and I think a lot of those were off Broadway. So that was was really nice. Um, and I remember the very first show I played um, afterwards, Larry Weir uh, came down and talked to me. And he's like, you know what? Uh, I wasn't expecting to stick around for your show, but it was, you, you had me from the first song. And, you know, I probably should really credit Larry for um, inspiring me to keep going because, it, you know, it's not always easy. And if, if Larry hadn't come down, I don't know if I would be sitting here today and you know have just released an album last month yeah yeah uh it's cool when you get those you know little nods along the way that somebody's telling you that you're you're on the right path kind of thing you know like those you're you're doing something right you know so um i, I had a moment kind of a, I i mean i went similar sentiment you know that kind of thing but like you know i've been doing this show for a while now and like um I ran into some some guys that are like kind of lifelong radio guys the other day, and then they got to, they listened to an episode I did recently, and they were telling me it sounded good and all this stuff, and they were you know giving me uh, some nice compliments, and I was just like, well, this feels pretty good, you know, like it's cool to hear uh, that you know guys that are you know do this professionally like are listening and, and enjoying what I'm doing, so right. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's nice when you hear those things like that. Sometimes it, it just a small pat on the back, right? Make you to let you know, hey, you're on the right path. Yeah, and you're, you're doing something good here. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, I'm with you, man. Those are those are cool things to to hold on to. Those moments like that, and like, all right, yeah, let me um, keep going because there's I I know. I mean, I think it's like all creatives. You know, I feel like we all one way or another have our have our uh, self doubts and you know our own uh, criticisms uh, and stuff where we're we're just getting our heads sometimes thinking that you know this why am I doing this so what you know and then you have those people that kind of give you a little validation that hey this is keep doing it yeah so yeah and so I I had been playing you know some solo shows and uh, at the time. I had the band Ten High, which was a, just a real alt-country-forward band. Um, and kind of toward the end of, of Ten High, um, I started playing with Matt McGahey and Dave Hansen um, with with The Poor House Says. That's, what, that's when we formed that band, and it was more, I'd say, folk rock or indie folk, whatever. Um, but we were we were real focused on finding what, every song needed, you know, and Matt McGee and I would, would write the songs and kind of take them to the band without a whole lot of, um, instruction for, or ideas for everyone else. And just kind of let everyone figure out what needed to be done with the song. And that was a really enjoyable part of the process. And, you know, just really understanding that every song kind of has ultimately certain parts that, that it needs. And, you know, it's kind of a puzzle and you, you work through it to figure out what's needed to make, to, you know, to finish that song. Yeah. Uh, as I, 
Are those uh, all those records are online, right? Are yeah, the Poorhouse says uh, released a few albums, and then um, we split up about four or five years ago. Right, yeah. and the Von Drukes records are available everywhere too. Yep, Von Drukes albums are out there, and uh, Jeff Griswold and I uh, formed the Von Drukes um, over a decade ago. I can't believe it's been that long, yeah. but yeah. So we've got a, a few albums, and um, you know we've been real fortunate with the sh- with the shows that we've gotten to play yeah well and you uh you all uh joined back up uh just a couple of weeks back now and played a show uh f- we said first in 40 months or something. For, yeah, yeah first show in over 40 months yeah. and you know between covid and um, we have a new drummer justin fulbright um, who's fantastic and um broke a finger uh, literally broke a finger so we that set us back a little bit too and he's still playing through it i think his his bone is still separated from you know part of his fingertip that's metal yeah yeah <laughs> and dedication yeah. and uh, so it was our first show back and at the heavy anchor it was it was a lot of fun we got to see some old friends we hadn't seen for a while too yeah so yeah that uh um yeah it was cool to see that you, you know like i said you guys are back on the calendar and stuff because uh you know there's there's a lot of bands and projects that didn't make it through COVID, so it was nice to see you guys back up on a stage. Yeah, and we've been working hard. Um, we've got a lot of new material, and I know we've got a show booked in May out in Kirkwood. Uh, but yeah, we're excited. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get into uh, this the solo record, and uh, this is like I said, uh, we were kind of talking about like, but this so this is so your the first record you've done as a solo artist right and it's the first record i've done as a solo artist right. and when i was i think 28 or 29 i i told a friend if i don't if i don't do an, a solo album by the time that i'm 30 i'm giving up i'm done and uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh it's literally been over you know almost 20 years now right so yeah 20 years <laughs> and, uh, what <clears throat> so what uh I mean, I guess it started back then. Well, but what was like the really like drive to want to make sure to put a solo record out? Yeah, I just have <clears throat> I I have so many songs that I've written, and it's not that every song is great because you know it's usually like one in twenty or one out of thirty songs, right? That you sit down and write, and and they become something that's that you feel is really worth presenting to someone and sharing with people, and. I I just really wanted to get it done, and so for this album, I I looked at some of the songs, you know, went through my notebooks and uh, started narrow, narrowing down certain songs that I wanted to include. But then I also wrote new songs for it too. So there are some songs in there that I wrote, you know, 17 years ago, and there are a couple of newer songs specific for the record. Okay, and this is uh, <clears throat> titled "I Don't Want You in Here." This is uh, now readily available wherever you get your uh, digital music, or we uh, and you can download it, uh, Bandcamp and stuff. And yeah, it's out on the usual, uh, you know, Spotify, iTunes, all the all those. You can even stream it free from my website, BobMcKee.net. So it's out there for yeah. for free. Do you do any? Uh, you gonna do any physicals or anything, or just the? I do have some hard copies yeah. and. Um, I think that there are a handful of those that you can order online, um, and I've, I've got the rest. Yeah. Nice. 
um yeah this uh this is i gave it a good uh, listen last night and then again on the way back over today just to get uh ready to talk about it and uh, i enjoyed it man there was uh some fun songs uh some i enjoy the uh the stories uh you know that's always one of my favorite things about singer songwriters is the the storytelling in the songs and um i start with a song called uh cars that i i enjoyed because uh um you know you you've, you've i think you've we've had songs focused on maybe one car uh or you know around cars but uh it was fun to hear you write like uh moments in time throughout your life and the cars that in correlation to uh relationships and stuff too so right. like it was um so yeah i don't this it was just a unique uh approach to writing i thought this was fun yeah i think i i mean you kind of hit it on the head i i wanted to kind of take a look back at my life um through in using cars as the way to to talk about different um whether they were just timelines you know mm-hmm. pieces of my timeline and and you know how i ended up where i am and you know i i, I think it, it thinking about it that way really made me pre- present the, the songs a very specific way and i think it was it was fun i think about the cars that i ever drove and time spent with someone all alone there were cars i loved some were a waste i keep the cars in rear view days Seventy-one cutlass, ragtop 350 Drove it top down and sweaty to see my love We were two years in, two years to go I ran a lot and wrecked it all Her God had a plan and I wasn't enough Eighty-eight Ford Tempo was humbling Behind the wheel, life was stuttering From privilege to pretense, one crumbling call Late night runs to cure it all Those late nights wouldn't make up for break-up falls Ninety-two Prelude was sexy It found the casinos and married me I rode her hard and harder she screamed She'd had enough and was over me Her love was done before thirty Two thousand four Ford Focus Euro trash style for a Midwestern boy Found a gal from Mason City who didn't like cars, but she liked my style Settled down with the right kind of gal Now I've got a family van Drive with a smile and a kid in the back Took a few cars to get me this far Life highways needed every car 
My life I always needed every car I think about the cars that I ever drove And the time spent with someone all alone There were cars I loved Some were a waste But I keep the cars in rear view days I keep the cars in rear view days Scott Swartz plays steel, pedal steel on that, yeah. and which is real cool. He did a great job. He's on a, a few of the tracks, and he played he played with me in Ten High, and he sat in with the Vondrucks a little bit since then. Um, and Rachel Parkin plays fiddle on it. She she was great, and she's someone that I've always wanted to, um, you know, work with musically. And so she didn't hesitate when when I reached out to her. She sounds great on it. But yeah, the the song song cars is taking a look look at my life or timeline through yeah. different autos. I enjoyed uh, that there was a shout out to uh, the Ford Tempo. Uh, <laughs> I. Um, Give you uh, my first car. My dad bought me an '88 Crown Vic station wagon. Uh, So at 16, I was cruising around in that um, with uh, a bunch of uh, you know. I think one day I took like 13 people in it to the bowling to the bowling alley, (laughs) (laughs) packed it out, and uh, you know, of course, like had the the two bucket seats in the back or whatever, or pop up seats or whatever in the back. Right? Did they face backwards? Faced each other. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, that 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 was a party on wheels, man. We used and then I had for a while. I had this like uh, I was at a buddy's house, and I found this like yeah, um, like Halloween decoration. This like plastic rat. Uh, that was like a rubber or whatever. Uh, and, uh, I duct taped it to my hood ornament on my car. And like, I used to get a lot of people, uh, a lot of attention, a lot That's of people's looks and, um, but yeah, that car was a lot of fun. But anyway, after that, uh, I, I drove the hell out of that car and then, uh, ended up buying my buddies. Uh, I needed something and I bought my buddy's car for 800 bucks, uh, 93 Ford Tempo. So was it worth about 800 bucks? Yeah. I mean, I, I got a good, you know, at least a year out of it. So I feel like I got there my money, money's yeah. worth it and stuff. That's and, pretty good. Yeah. So he, it was, uh, I think it was his dad's car and then he drove it for a while and then he ended up getting something new. And then I was just like, I just need something to, you know, get back and forth to work kind of thing. Cause uh, I just, uh, and I had no money. So I was like, well, this will, this will get me by for now. And so it was, uh, definitely did the job. Yeah. I'd say 800 bucks for a year. For yeah. And, and it was like getting like, you know, 30 mile a gallon or something, whatever it was. And I was just like, it was like a little four cylinder, you know, kind of. Thing. So I was getting pretty decent gas mileage for, even though I drove it like a bat out of hell most of the time. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it was just, uh, I think that's kind of the fun of that song too. You know, it's like, it's, it's fun to think about, look back at some of those times some of those cars and it, i think it gets it, as a listener you you reflect on some of those your own stories and stuff along the way so think back about some of your old early cars and stuff yeah. like that so yeah well that that's great that's that's good to hear yeah so this uh yeah man it's a fun tune and um i uh you 
and you mentioned uh, getting some of the players. I think that's probably one of the the best parts about putting together a solo record is uh, kind of getting to handpick some some various players. Uh, you know, obviously you got surrounded by a bunch of greats in your bands and stuff, but you know it's just fun when when it's your when you're at the the wheel and you get to you know handpick some other players to play on it. Yeah, uh, that was fun and. One of the one of the things about this album that I wanted to try to do is play as many instruments myself as possible, mm-hmm. and um, and you know so that included bass and keyboard, guitars and accordion. Um, I played accordion for a while. I took some Irish accordion lessons from St. Louis Irish Arts uh, School here, and so I, I wanted to, to throw that in and in one song for sure, uh, but. I certainly cannot drum and my bandmates would attest to that. <laughs> and so David Beeman did all of the, the drum tracks and he recorded them at native sounds, which is his studio. Oh, yeah. And so I'd shoot him over a draft of the song. He'd record it, shoot it back to me and I would literally drop it in and maybe do like a little bit of EQ, but, um, his stuff ended up being fantastic. And then Scott Swartz on pedal steel kind of, we worked the same way with that. And, and then Rachel and I originally on cars, I wanted to try to pull out my old violin and force myself to sharpen up a little bit. And it, it was not happening yeah. at all. No, it, it was like screeching cat. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, Rachel, um, Rachel laid down those tracks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you don't get a, a lot of accordion, uh, yeah, you know, practice, I guess, right? Yeah. No, no, no yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't pull, pull out the accordion very much yeah. anymore, but yeah. I enjoyed, uh, <laughs> maybe the world's greatest accordion player to some, uh, for sure. Uh, Weird Al, uh, I watched his, uh, movie the other, a little while back and, um, with, uh, you know, he did the, uh, biopic kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, did you, did you watch that yet? I, no. It's really funny uh, and uh, well done. And uh, Daniel Ratcliffe uh, plays plays Weird Al, and uh, it's, it's just uh, ridiculous. But there's like, uh, uh, yeah, I think he like, I forget. It's like a Grammy for like you know, best accordion player or something like that, or something along those lines. Like uh, I can't can't think of the, exactly what the award award was, but it was just funny that like. Uh, you know, he's like literally the only person like to get this award kind of thing. So whatever it was like, um, but yeah, it's pretty silly, but you, you just like, it was nice to get a little uh, shout out to the accordion. And, right. Uh, yeah. So, um, but you, uh, you can again, find this record, uh, on your streamers and your, uh, maybe grab a physical copy and help support this project. Uh, I did, uh, like, uh, I noticed the album art cover is a little blue fan. It's a blue fan. Yeah. And um, yeah, maybe I should talk about the the title, that album title a little right. bit. And growing up, I evidently, I forget what age I was, but probably somewhere between eight and 13, I would imagine, uh, decided to put a sign on my bedroom door that said, I don't want you in here. <laughs> And I had like a little, drew a picture with a circle and a line through the circle and, and taped it up on my bedroom door. All right. And my parents kept that, that little picture. 
and they tease me about it. I mean, almost every single year. And when I was thinking about the album, I thought, oh, that's kind of a perfect, what a, you know, like what, what a perfect name for an album. And, uh, so, and I wrote then, then I decided to write the song. I don't want you in here, the title track. And part of the lyrics in there refer to a, a blue fan in my window, because I remember growing up in the summer, I'd have my window open at night and, um, I'd have that blue fan blowing and, I know it, so I, I referenced it a couple times in the song, and I thought about maybe trying to find an old, an old fan off of like eBay or whatever, and just taking a photo. But I sent it to a friend in Omaha, um, who's a, a musician too, Ethan Jones, and uh, Ethan's a he's a graphic artist and he's he's fantastic, and he he did that album artwork. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so you. You wrote the song based off the title, right? I did. Yeah? I, yeah, I thought it was kind of a good place to start, um, kind of a good lead-in for the album. Um, I think, you know, I'm trying, the songs are very personal on the album, but at the same time, I'm I'm hoping that, that there's enough relatable content for the listener, um, because I think, you know, we, we all have stories and emotions and we all kind of have that room and we don't always want people in that room you know mm-hmm. in our little emotional room sure and yeah that's kind of well i think that's kind of even uh as this uh as being a title of an album like you know thinking about that too the same kind of same kind of idea that you know this is something personal you know and i'm you are sharing it on a public form and everything else sharing it with the world but it's like it's that whole kind of idea these are like this is kind of my own little thing i don't want you in here and like and but uh you know so um i don't know i just think it's a yeah i think it's a cool little idea to think about it like that like you know we all have our personal space but sometimes uh it helps to open the door let let people into your life and stuff so yeah um but yeah it's funny that it's like become like a a running joke in your your family though still yeah they certainly give me a hard time about it <laughs> <laughs> right. uh well, i guess a lot of uh uh angst is a or something where, where you are just, oh i just think you know yeah. growing up there are there are times where you just kind of need your space right. and um i still do and um and my wife is is fantastic about that sure. so you know there's just times where you need to close the door and have your own space and yeah um, whether it's write or you know play some music, get things figured out. Mm-hmm.
This uh, this was another fun tune, and uh, like I said, the title track uh, of the record is this. Um, do you now? Like I mentioned, like you you had the title and you and you wrote back. Like, is that ever? Do you do that often, or is it more you? The titles come from what you wrote uh, and you pull from. I think usually the titles come from what I write normally, and. Um, I mean, the whole songwriting process is pretty interesting because I'm not necessarily, I don't approach it the same every time. I might sit down and and have a very specific idea. Right. Or sometimes I sit down with some chord structures or a riff or something like that. But it's it's pretty different every time. And, it, and it's certainly, it's different if I'm using pen on, pen on paper than it is sitting at a keyboard. And I think over the last five years, I've probably written more songs on the keyboard you know, sorry, the computer and, um, you know, but I, I should probably get back to pen on paper and it just forces me to write differently for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think that's, uh, cool that having more of a physical representation of these songs, like, you know, it is easy to get digital with everything with, whether it's, you know, phone notes or, or a laptop and stuff. But, uh, you know, I think it's always uh, as a as a fan, you know. You see some of the greats, like all these whatever you know uh, museums and different whatever it is. These the collection of memorabilia over the years and things that we they have like notebooks full of their handwriting and their songs and all these things like that. And it's just like uh, as a fan of music, I think it's fun to have those things. To you know, there's not it again the same thing applies to having records and cds and things right. i like having a physical representation of it and then more just uh 
you know, digital version of all these things. So, right. And, you know, just having the physical, like a notebook, if you sit down to write and you get stuck, you can just like flip through, flip through your notebook and look at things that you've done or things that you didn't finish, right. partial ideas and thoughts and stuff like that. Yeah. So you said like some of these are like, uh, some up to like 17 years old or something like that. Yeah. I think Wanderer is at least, it's probably 17 years old. And I think that was, I played that at, um, at the show that Larry Weir was at that I yeah. mentioned. And, um, now is that one that like you've been is still hung around or is that you like rediscovered it through the, through one of those notebooks or something like I've that? I played or? it off and on. It, you know, if I'm play a solo show, it would, I would almost always play it. Uh, Jeff Griswold and I played it, I think with Ten High a couple times and, um, yeah, so that one's been around and it's been kind of played out and I wanted to revisit it and, and do arrange it a little bit differently and then um change my mind is also pretty old and uh i was playing a solo show a few years ago in webster and a friend of mine said you know what there's one song that you played that i could totally hear that on a record and and i was like huh that's pretty interesting because it's a really old song that i don't pull out very often and uh so i put it on there and you know when now when I hear it, I think of my friend Teresa, and um, you know, I—that's one of my favorite songs on the album from an arrangement standpoint. That was fun to do. It's also like, obviously, other than uh, Wanderer playing, me, I'm playing with the, like you said, with Ten High, but like, were any of these songs like pitched to bands, or did you, you know, the ones that you had, like, where you are, where you thinking like, I'm saving this one for myself, like for the, for the so album eventually or right i think i mean wonder maybe mm-hmm. but um most of them you know when i sit down and i write a song and i've got um you know my the my personal way that i write uh the, from a genre standpoint fluctuates a little bit and i don't always know exactly i don't sit down and say i'm gonna i'm gonna write a bondrook song right or i'm gonna write a solo song and i just I write it and work through it and see kind of where it sits. And, uh, but most of these songs were, you know, just for the record sure, or solo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just think, I mean, obviously I, I think ever seems like everybody writes and then like some every now and then, like it might happen to fit, like you put it through that Von Drew's lens or, you know, whatever it is. And like, and it becomes that, but, uh, yep. you know, all of them can also be maybe reimagined as, as, as your own solo record too. So yeah. it's like, it's always kind of fun to hear that too. Like hearing different takes on the same song. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Uh, well you, uh, let's talk about one more tune. And, uh, you said this one had a, a fun story to go with it. It's uh par- parasol games. Parasol games. Yeah. So, uh, this song is really, it, it's a snapshot of when my, my sister and I, moved my family moved to a new home and um there were a lot of changes going on in my family my parents gotten divorced and um so we were moving to a a new home kind of a new start we were leaving our old friends behind and you know she, she and i i don't remember a whole lot about about 
where we used to live. I think I was probably five when we first moved away from that area. But I do remember things like we'd have block parties and I I would ride my big wheel on our street and yeah. uh, God forbid you visit the guy in the white house at the end of the street <laughs> on Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For whatever reason it was like, no, don't, uh, <coughs> don't, don't go to that white house down yeah. at the end of the street. And, you know, so all of those kind of made it into this story, uh, this song. And when we moved into our new home, um, it was a really stormy day. There was a tornado that went through our part of town. and But we had no idea. We, we were, I think our parents were, were working and um, we were young. We were just at home by ourselves moving in. And uh, we kind of grabbed an umbrella and we went outside and danced and and sang while it was raining and uh it was fun it's a really cool memory for for me and um i don't know that i initially purposely wrote it to be on this album but as soon as i wrote it i thought this is this is going on the album and then to make it cooler um i asked my sister out of the blue if she if she would stop by and uh, sing harmony on it and uh, she you know growing up she played flute she was a really good flautist and uh, but I don't know that I'd ever heard her sing or if she if I did I don't remember it it was that long ago and she came in and sang harmony on that song and it, she sounds fantastic so it was a really fun song Song. We 
Is that your first time performing together then? Um, it was the first time that she sang. She actually played the flute with The Poor House Says um, at Off-Broadway. Okay. We, I think it was a maybe a Tupelo or a... It was one of the artist tribute nights or concerts. Yeah. Um, or maybe it, it was someone someone else, but yeah. Um, so one other time, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, very nice that you have you have this uh, recording and reserved to save that memory and everything. That's uh, yeah. I don't. That's uh, I mean, I you know, not to get like uh, too heavy, but like um, there was uh, that's something I that really like kind of resonates with me a lot. Like uh, more so as I'm, I wish I would have done more, you know, before. Um, but, uh, I realized like a little while back, like the, the power of even doing this podcast, like having those recorded conversations and stuff and having, you know, having, you know, since even doing this show, I've lost a few friends that, you know, and I have these, these conversations recorded with them and think, and it's just like, and it's cool to have these moments and preserve that memory and stuff that way. And, um, uh, I was like uh, one st- one that always kind of gets me is like uh, I saw uh, Kevin Kevin Smith uh, do like a Q and A thing at the pageant and he was talking about podcasting a lot and then, and he was like saying like something about like the the you know as the mind starts to to slip and stuff as we get older and like one of the first memories to go is like the sound of somebody's voice oh wow and like so like having all of this. Uh, you know, recorded and stuff, and he can always play back. And he does a lot of recording with his mom, like just you know talking to her a lot on the show. And so that's why he does it. And he's like, you know, if, if he's gone or she's she's gone or whatever, like his kids, his kids can look back on all these things too. And so I don't know. That kind of like got me, like especially like with my own story. And then like uh, I wish I would have. Uh, I always kind of tried to get my mom to do the show, and she set in on an episode with. Uh, without holiday one day so there's like uh i think she just says hi pretty much like she was just having fun like sitting in and like watching kind of thing like but she uh i kept trying to say you know come on show like talk to and like and she's like i don't know what would i say i'm not you know i don't know she didn't think anybody would be interested right. and i'm like but uh so i never really had that opportunity but uh you know it's like so Having something like that, your sister singing and stuff, having that memory and everything, that's super cool, man. It is. It's a, uh, like I said, it's real special. Yeah. And, uh, and it's kind of funny. So we're, we're sitting here and, and Shane, you if you stare straight ahead, you see this clock. It's a Falstaff, Falstaff yeah. clock. Right. And, um, my sister, so my, my grandfather used to work for Falstaff and, um, my sister just gave this to me for Christmas. It's a it's a cool little clock, and yeah. every time that I see it, I think of my sister. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a uh, things like that are it, pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, it's nice to you know have those things like that too. Again, like just a <clears throat> family. Uh, heirloom type of things you mm-hmm. know holding on to those memories and stuff so yep i got uh, a few different things from my grandfather and you know it's just nice to you know even uh to hold on to those things for sure they're more more sentimental than than anything else but uh, yep. yeah so 
Um, well, that's, uh, you know, it's cool to hear about that. But what uh, is, I don't, I, uh, I've written as the title Parasol. What is, what, what is Parasol Games? So it really refers to the moment where we grabbed the, the umbrella and I, I kind of swiped. I didn't want to use the term umbrella. I thought Parasol was a little bit yeah. cooler. All right. So it's, a, you know, um, adjacent to it. So okay. it was when we grabbed the umbrella and went outside and kind of danced around and played. All right. And, if you hear the song, there's kind of a bridge that it's, there's an instrumental bridge and where there's some piano in there and um, it's supposed to represent water, you know, the raindrops and dancing around. So, um, and it sounds completely different than the rest of the song, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also thought it was, you know, you mentioned also this in the, the, the white house and uh, I, I just, I think that stuff's funny too. Like, um, Cause I feel like no matter what neighborhood or era you grew up in or whatever, like kids did that, uh, there was always like, maybe there was something, some truth to it, but also like, I feel like sometimes it was like urban legend type of stuff, you know, like you start like making up stories and some, somebody says, you know, an older brother maybe or a sister or what, you know, somebody says something about that and then all, right. and then it like gets blown out of proportion, like kind of thing where everybody's like scared of this whatever you know if it's that a white house or whatever it might be and like and then you know these these stories become larger than life kind of thing sometimes and, and then you grow up and you find out oh it's just uh you know for whatever reason it, right it, it was no big deal yeah yeah uh so i uh i just think that stuff's like those little you know it was fun to think about those stories like and uh I don't know. Also, as you're like obviously that one kind of there's there's a reason why not to avoid the house but uh you ever watch that the um it movie when uh, the the remake and stuff late recently i haven't seen it uh it was it was really well done like um but you know of course there's the house that they're all supposed to avoid and not go in and, and uh but then they redid they did it also a, a sequel as them as adults and they still still scared of the house <laughs> uh 28 years later and stuff you know like kind of thing and so it's a you know, obviously, there's still there's a lot of reasons why to be scared of that house, but you know, it was just um, it was just funny to see it all like come out and and in in film that way and stuff too. But uh, uh, but yeah, uh, I just you know, it's fun to look back and think about some of those memories and stuff like that. So, uh, will you uh, again find this find this record and add it to your favorite playlist and uh, and uh, and get what? Do we? Uh, you said BobMcKee.net is the yeah BobMcKee.net is the website. We can find uh, the uh, streaming there too. And uh, can we purchase through the website, or is that uh, you can't through- purchase it through the website? I think you can you can go to Amazon and, and order it or CD Baby. And uh, we don't have uh, any any uh, dates yet, but uh, I think uh, we were kind of you know talking before we hit record, and I think it would be uh, fun to. Uh, organize a proper release party and celebrate this record and maybe get Rachel and Scott and some of our friends to bring these songs to life live and uh, someday. So hopefully we can make that happen. Yeah. I think it, it, it would be a lot of fun. And um, my wife and I were, we were just talking about it this morning. So um, I, I'd like to get it done. And I know kind of as part of that conversation, we were talking about how, you know, with COVID, um, from a music standpoint, I wasn't playing out a whole lot. 
um, I was still writing and working on this record, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of output. And now suddenly I find myself, there's a lot going on musically. Mm -hmm. I've got um, this album and the Von Drukes are playing out again and, and writing more music. And I've, and I've got this other project too. So it's, it's like suddenly there's a, a lot right. going on. Yeah, I felt like uh, there, there even uh, you know, uh, locally and nationally, I feel like everybody's trying to kind of make up for lost time, kind of thing. You know, it's like there, there's a lot of great concerts happening and all this stuff. There's a lot of trying to make up for what we lost uh, for two and a half years or whatever. So, yep. Um, but uh, yeah, you uh, you, you kind of. Uh, Tell me a little bit about it, but yeah, you got a a new new thing you might be working on uh, coming up soon. So hopefully we'll be uh, hearing a little bit more about that and uh, but uh, organizing a new a new project that uh, you said to like in the middle of COVID kind of yeah the idea came about yeah the um, after um, the poorhouse says split up uh, bandmate and friend of mine Dave Hansen who helped a lot with this album uh, providing a lot of feedback and. Anyway, he, he, he and I have been playing together for a long time, and we wanted to keep going. And we've kind of been looking for the right right fit for uh, with drums and bassists uh, as, as bandmates. And it just had, it wasn't happening. And so we said, you know what, screw it. Well, let's just start recording an album, just an EP with the two of us. And I can reach out to David Beeman to see if he'd be willing to do drum tracks, which he's done. Um, Justin Fulbright from the Von Drukes also... Um, has laid down um, uh, drum tracks for one of our songs, and so we've we, you know we've got a, a new project. It's um, we'll be releasing an EP, and yeah, the name of the band is uh, Mister Personality. Yeah. So is that uh, any idea when we might uh, find hear more? Yeah, uh, I think you'll you'll probably find kind of a teaser track out there on social media in the next week or two. All right. So. Cool. We'll keep an eye out, and uh, hopefully, uh, and what's the is uh, is there a good place to get in, involved uh, with you online? I mean, our, I know uh, you have your personal Facebook, and stuff I do. Like, like, but I would I've got my personal Facebook, and there's also a, there, a musician site have, as well called artist? Bob McKee. Okay, yeah, yeah, an artist site. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'll make sure to tag that when I post it all, so you can get in follow along with Bob on there on Facebook and uh, maybe we'll get to hear some more about this soon. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, I'm excited to hear what the, what that might sound like. So uh, you, uh, I got a couple of questions for you, Bob, and uh, get your take on some of these. Uh, so uh, what about, uh, uh, do you, do you uh, have a song that always gets stuck in your head? Like, or did you one w- specific song or like did you wake up like having humming something this morning did you have one stuck in your head this morning or and there there's there's a song that the von Drukes, um have been playing recently <clears throat> it's a newer song and um it it has been it has been getting stuck in my head and it's driving me crazy it's a song that jeff wrote and um yeah i'm getting kind of pissed off about it <laughs> right. yeah. um but yeah Every now and then, it'll it'll you know I'll go to bed thinking about it because I'm also thinking about maybe different arrangements on my parts or something, and then I wake up with it in my head again. Right. And yeah, 
So yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know any of the science behind it or anything, but it is uh, funny how like those mine. It's not. It would be like one line on a loop, like oh, kind of kind of thing. Like sometimes, like just one line and. And then my brain will like start remixing it and, you know, <laughs> so it starts getting exaggerated, you know, sorts of different ways and, or I'll start singing it through different voices and, <laughs> di- you know, you know, those kind of things <sighs> like, it, uh, I don't know why, I don't know how, why my brain works that way, but it's the, what happened the other day, uh, I'm making breakfast and, uh, the the song that was stuck in there and on a loop was uh it was a line from Sir Mix a Lot Baby Got Back and it was a uh, little in the middle but she got much back was I was just on repeat like I kept I had to like I don't know so until I just go lose my mind completely and That's stuff funny. so yeah it, um, last week I was I, I kept having this crazy idea of of what would happen if I took a couple songs on my album and I did like the remix thing where you, you know, you put it to dance music. All right. And I kept thinking about that at night as I was trying to fall asleep and that was driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. But might yeah. be kind of fun. Yeah. Get some, uh, get some 808s on, uh, on a, on a bottom <laughs> yeah. key song. Uh, yeah. It, Anders Parker did it and t- do you know, Anders Parker, um, he's a, he's a singer songwriter, but he, um, he did an entire album. He did a double kind of a, a two sided album, a CD, if you will. And yeah. one of it was kind of folk, folk rock. And the other part was completely electronica, uh, but with folk music. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I was, I've got a friend in New York, uh, Francis Shway, who's, um, he's a, he's a lot of, he does a lot of different things, uh, but he does like, uh, EDM and he's got a couple albums out there under the name policy. And I've kind of wanted to hook up with him, just to see like if he'll send me some beats and it's something definitely out of my comfort zone. Uh, but I thought it would be kind of fun to do. So, sure. uh, you mentioned the 808 and yeah. I, yeah. Uh, are you familiar with, uh, uh, MK ultra or Pat came and Ben Miller band? I'm not. <clears throat> so they, uh, they're friends of mine from around the area. Uh, Pat K is in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, the K Brothers as his project has been in a bunch of different bands around um, Columbia area. The, the Hat Trick and uh, uh, but uh, anyway, he um, they're like a real like old timey, you know, Missouri uh, kind of uh, you know what a folk traditional stuff you know like in kind of thing like a lot of these like songs that just been handed handed down from generations kind of mm-hmm. thing <clears throat> and uh and then uh ben miller is like uh he was in joplin missouri i think he's in like fayetteville arkansas now or something uh and he bands like very much a similar type of thing um a lot of like homemade instrument type of stuff you know like kind of uh, and now one time they had like the, uh, you know, washed up bass player and that kind of stuff okay. like that. And, um, anyway, so they went from like very raw, like, you know, acoustical instruments. Old-timey. Yeah. And then now like they've decided to join forces and do this group called MK ultra M for Miller and K for K. And, uh, 
and uh, also play on previous MK Ultra, and uh, yeah, they. Uh, but they and they it's like an EDM thing. It's like a, they've uh, the so they're learning all sorts of new instruments and electric uh, ways to make this music possible. But they're still doing a lot of this old. So they, it's almost like a, in which I, I heard them in an interview reference it, which I thought was really funny. But uh, like uh, remember in uh, Rednecks uh, Cotton Eye Joe? Yeah, it was, it's it's kind of in that vein. Like, okay, it's like this, you know. Uh, Appalachian kind of country you know, music like that, and over this dance it's, dance it's, groove kind of yeah, and uh, it's uh, a ton of fun. Cool. It, and it's like they've been playing a bunch of festival stuff, and I'm I'm sure like it's probably crushing at festivals. Like it's just, it's a spectacle in itself to see them because okay. of lights and everything else too. And um, but anyway, ton of fun, high super high energy, and just a, a real good time. And and uh, but they're, they're coming to town here in, in March. So I'm excited to see them again. Cool. But anyway, it kind of ties into all that we were talking about too. Like it just, it's fun to see people getting creative, taking something, but even something that they've done previously and remix it. Like I said, like right, make reimagine it, it, make it something completely different. And yep. so, um, but yeah. Yeah. If, if Francis is listening to this, you need to, you need to send me some tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what that sounds like, man. Uh, uh, all right. What, um, uh, what about uh, say a day comes along we get a uh, Bob McKee action figure? Uh, what would you like to see uh, as your your maybe three accessories with your action figure? Uh, Bob McKee, it's got to have a lightsaber. Yeah, um, I'm a big Star right. Wars fan, yeah. and I mean, as soon as you said it, uh, the Luke, like I've, I can go upstairs and grab it for you. I've got a <laughs> <laughs> Luke Skywalker action figure yeah. um, from the early '80s. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it would have to have, and and the lightsaber would have to retract into the arm, absolutely. <laughs> so that's what's going on with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, anything? Any other accessories to go with it? Um, no. I mean, I I would pretty much want it to be a ripoff, straight ripoff right. of the Luke Skywalker. Just put your with head, his just robe. Put your head on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little fuzz on the chin. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there a um? And maybe we just maybe we kind of discovered it, but uh, it was there uh, a dream duet or collaboration you would like to see for yourself? I mean, is there a, is there a certain uh, somebody you always wanted to work with or? Ooh. Oh, here's I'll throw this out. He he just released a track the other day. Adam Reichman. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I'd love to work with Adam. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um. And, you know, he's, he's done a lot. I love hearing him play. As soon as I heard that song on Kitty HX the other day, I knew it was Adam. He's got a very distinguishable voice that is incredible. And, um, and we've, I've played with him, not, um, not played with him, but we've played shows together. And I always am blown away at his stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'd throw that out there. You- no, I was thinking also like as far as like your songwriting, uh, when you uh, even with like Bon Druk stuff and like the, is it always like uh, you by yourself like writing lyrics uh, or do you uh, do you co-write uh, with with other people like a, would you co-write with Adam if you were like working on something or is that sure I'd, I'd be up for that yeah I would say normally. 
almost a hundred percent of the time in the Vondrouk. So Jeff Griswold and I both, we both write, we both sing whatever it is that we wrote. Right. And then with the poorhouse says it was the same way. It was, uh, I wrote Matt McGahee wrote right. and we kind of sang whatever we wrote and it's still like that with the Vondrouks. Um, and Jeff and I, I think we've tried to write together a few times and it's just, um, you know, we didn't, we, it didn't work out for whatever reason on that particular night. Not, not that it couldn't just didn't that night. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd be up for co-writing. Yeah. I just think, I mean, I, obviously it seems like, uh, that's the, you know, leans more the case that it's a lot more one person brings it to the band and then the band figures out their parts and kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just, uh, I think it's so. I had a nice conversation with Dana Michael Anderson the other night, and that's so he's like, it's always been that way for him, like as a solo thing. But now he's like recently been co writing a lot and, and loving it. So it's like, I just think it's cool to hear. And like, I think the idea, like, even tying into what, uh, what I heard on this, uh, MK Ultra interview was like, uh, they were talking about some of those songs. Like, they're not really, those a lot of those songs they play are not. Um, necessarily written by anybody. They're just like verbal. They, people remember them and right. they've been sung over and over years and years and years. And uh, so the whole idea, like it's just like a giant community type of uh, collaboration, you know, it's like that these songs, like it's, and maybe that's why these songs have stood the test of time. There's something uh, great about them because it's so many people put different input into them and stuff. So, I think about that too. Like maybe, maybe there's something to just uh, collaborating and bringing, you know, maybe something greater with all of us instead of just one person too. So, right. You know, yeah. I've always thought the idea of, of writing with someone um, kind of remotely back and forth is also appealing where you start a story and, you know, of a song and you just send it to your, whoever you're collaborating with. And they pick it up and they, they do like verse two, for instance, mm -hmm. and you go back and forth until the story is done. Yeah. And so each person kind of gets to make a, their own twist on where the story's going. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I was thinking through that, I, I remembered with the poorhouse says, um, Kate Hayes was playing with us for a while. And I don't know if you know Kate, but she's got an incredible voice and, for whatever reason, we were kind of we were all kind of in a rut from a songwriting standpoint, and so um, Matt McGee and I and Kate decided we were going to do this thing where um, we'd all I forget what we called it. We we had some fancy acronym for it, but we were all going to write a song that would be part of a, a larger album, and and each song would kind of tell the story of of the album itself. And so we did that for a while. I am. Um, I think we got through about five or six songs. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So a little bit different take on what you're asking. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I said that there's no wrong way to do any of it. It's just fun to to take get different ideas going, getting get creative in different ways to see how we can make get that song together and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. With this newer project, um, one of the things I wanted to do is definitely utilize some of, of Dave Hansen's uh, influences and his are different than mine. We, we have some of the same, but um, he's kind of uh, like power pop, maybe a little bit and a little bit straightforward, more direct, easy to remember songs. And so I've tried to incorporate that 
a little bit, which has been fun. And the bassist that's been playing on these records also brings a, another really interesting set of influences with him. Uh, his name's Rob. And um, yeah, I, I think that that's part of the fun, too, is just incorporating the different influences, especially yeah. like with this new project, which was kind of a blank slate. We can figure out what we want to be. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, possibilities are endless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, very cool, Bob. This has uh, been incredible, man. I'm really glad we did this. And uh, again, you can uh, find uh, I Don't Want You In Here uh, on your digital platforms. Uh, get plugged in with Bob um, and uh, keep an eye out. Maybe we'll have a, a release party uh, this summer or something. I don't know, who knows what will happen, but I'd be, I would like that. And Yeah, I'll keep you posted uh, for sure. And maybe uh, some more Von Druk's shows coming up soon and uh, and maybe even a Maybe something from Mr. Personality coming soon. So yep. keep an eye out. So we've got a lot happening. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, thanks, Bob. And uh, well, thank you. Hopefully uh, it's not another uh, whatever, seven years uh, we do <laughs> before we do it again. So, hope, yeah. uh, But thanks again for everything, and I will uh, see you soon. All right. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Bye, everybody. See ya.